Hello and welcome to Beyond the Balance Sheet, a podcast brought to you by Quilter Financial Planning. We're here to lift the lid on the world of financial advice, providing insight for those already in the industry and anyone thinking of a new career. I'm Hannah Vaughan-Jones. Join me as we address common misconceptions head on, gather advice from practicing advisors, speak with those who have overcome hurdles and hear people's inspiring stories who have chosen this industry from all walks of life. In our first episode, I'm joined by Mark Pitaccio, Quilter's behavioral economist and business consultant, and Lauren Ashworth. Lauren is recruitment manager at Quilter Financial Advisors School. Today, we investigate the differences between the public perception of high pressure and hard salesmen with the reality of research showing successful advisors are something quite different, showing high levels of conscientiousness and empathy. Lauren, Mark, thank you so much for joining me today. So let's start off, if we can, with a little synopsis of your roles at Quilter. And Mark, you have the fantastic title of being Quilter's behavioural economist. Uh, Tell us more about that and specifically what you do with Quilter. Well, basically, uh, Hannah, I I use behavioural science uh, to help uh, professional advisors uh, and business owners help their clients make better financial decisions and better decisions about their health and subjective well-being. So by uh, helping advisors understand a little more about how we make decisions, about how we perceive the information that is in front of us and how we have all these biases and heuristics which may have got us to the top of the food chain but don't necessarily help us make good financial decisions in the 21st century, by having a little bit more information understanding of that, advisors can then pass that on to their clients to ensure that they're making better decisions about their finances and their health and their well-being. And I know we're going to look into the data in a lot more detail as we go through this episode, but Lauren, let's come to you now. You are Recruitment Manager at Quilter's Financial Advisor School. Tell us a little bit about the school side of Quilter. So I manage the recruitment for all of the programmes within the Financial Advisor School, Um, so from the initial inquiry application uh, through to the assessment centre and the onboarding onto getting someone started with either the level four or level six qualifications. Also actively look to um, encourage new people into the industry, whether that's graduates or career changes. We are, of course, here today to quash those common misconceptions about who financial advisors are. So talk us through what those misconceptions are and where exactly they stemmed from. From, from my part, when I'm looking, I think it's that kind of uh, maybe that Wolf of Wall Street type character. I think you need to see that. Mm-hmm hard salesman wearing suited and booted and and I, I don't think that's um very much the case really in terms of what kind of what you see coming through especially from the financial advisor school and, and since I've been in the role um with with quilter it's nice to kind of see a different you know different caliber of candidates kind of coming through those that are kind of really thinking about the career change and, and the reasons behind wanting to do it becoming more of a, a profession rather than that kind of sales type character I don't think anyone's really suited and booted uh, for work right now, especially not in a, a global pandemic, nor, of course, for a podcast as we are right now. But Mark, uh, your research uh, into the data of who a financial advisor is and the attributes they need. And what has your research shown then is the public perception of a modern day financial advisor? Well, yeah, yeah and the, the perception seems to be that the Wolf of Wall Street is some kind of training video for financial advisors, which uh, which it certainly isn't. And uh, I think when I looked at the public perception, not only the public perception of financial advisors, but also the way they were put, portrayed in the media, in plays and on television and things like that, I thought to myself, well, these just aren't the these aren't the people I deal with. These certainly aren't the advisors that I deal with. So rather than just sort of putting it down as well, just something we have to accept, we, we thought we'd actually do some research into 
the personality characteristics of advisors by doing some so some proper personality uh, measurements of, of those that are um, engaged in the delivery of, of advice. And that we found actually that this high pressure salesperson, which 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 is probably more associated with that high level of extroversion, just that actually wasn't the case. It didn't bear it bear, bear out in the research at all. It was actually conscientiousness. And actually, the uh, the ability to adapt to change; those were the two things that came through in in the research that uh, that we undertook. And if you if you think about it, actually, financial advisors weren't able to adapt to all the change that they've been faced with over over the last ten years. Then they probably wouldn't still be in the profession anyway. Talk us through the personality traits of a successful financial advisor, according to your data. There's a concept in psychology and personality psychology called the Big Five, and and we may we, we, our personalities obviously vary, but there are there are five um, o- overarching concepts, if you like, and all all our personality traits go into one of these Big Five, and these are extroversion, agreeableness, conscientiousness, the uh, openness to change, and and also uh, our neuroticism or our emotional stability, uh, if you like, and so we measure advisors across these five traits and very much expected extroversion to be the highest one um, based on the, the, the perception that, that, that of, of advisors are, are, are often given. And we just, like I said, we just found that that, that, is, that, it, that is, isn't the case. Um, it was conscientiousness that was the highest behavioural trait. So people, advisors work very, very hard for their clients. And they are actually, they work quite cautiously with them as well. And like I said, the ability to adapt to, to change was something that came through as well. It's really interesting, this concept of conscientiousness and and having a conscience. Lauren, your thoughts on on the importance of that personality trait, the trait of conscientiousness? Yeah, I think it's key, Billy. And I think, you know, when I'm speaking to people that are inquiring about being a financial advisor and and what's the, the kind of roots in, you kind of get the, you know, the people that have taken the time to research into the role and actually understand the personality traits and they kind of say some good with people it is that kind of the social skills wanting to do a good service and look after people and having that conscious and then you've got the other people that kind of think I need to be really good at math that um perhaps haven't done as much research into the role as well so I definitely think you you know people that are looking into financial advice and are serious have done that kind of research and do kind of know the kind of characteristics and have you noticed that with students as, as well at the uh, at the Quilter School that, that actually there are a lot of students who are perhaps got going well I could I could I could do this because I don't have a maths degree and that's actually fine um, I've got really good empathy with people I'm a good people person and that's one of the best attributes. Yeah, absolutely. I think you kind of see that coming through. As I said, the, the guys that have kind of looked into and actually understand the role are saying that you know I am good with people. This is what I want to do. This is why. Um, rather than some of the other people say, well, I'm, I'm good at maths, I'm good at, you know, um, at kind of learning and this and that. Obviously, that is kind of, a, you know, part of the role as well. But it is that kind of behavioural side and being able to deal with people and empathise with them. 
and I'm curious about the fact that you said guys, and I know that's just something that we sort of refer to, and not, <laughs> not being not being gender specific. But Mark, I wonder if you could jump in on that. I mean, should we be surprised about some of the results of your of your research, and should we should we be surprised that there are actually lots more women who are very interested in getting into this line of work? Well, the, the interesting thing is, following the initial research, we've now embarked on a much larger piece of research, and uh, we were running some data actually just last weekend for nearly 500 advisors and luckily we've we've managed to secure responses from a lot more women this time than we did in the first research and the interesting thing is that agreeableness has now started to go up the scale quite quite significantly and when we actually compared the uh, women and the men who were who were operating in the financial advice sphere agreeableness was far higher amongst uh, the women advisors than it was the male advisors. So actually, uh, at the end of this piece of research, we may find that agreeableness as a behavioural trait is shown to be far higher than it was previously, when I have to say the vast majority of people that we did speak to were, were men. But it's interesting, actually, that this, this, there are certainly the research would suggest that if we could attract a lot more women to the profession, I think it would certainly be a far a far better place. And I think uh, I, I certainly think uh, certain clients would, would certainly benefit from, from engaging with women advisors. That was going to be my next question, actually, to talk about not just the, the uh, original character traits of these individuals going into the profession, but actually what the client demands at the other side of things. Um, I, I don't know who wants to sort of pick up on this on this point, but um, perhaps clients actually would, in many cases, prefer to speak to a woman or someone who has a background in the arts rather than in science, something like that. Yeah, I had... Um, uh, a student recently uh, inquire about kind of getting into school and she was very much saying, you know, her husband is a financial advisor and that's how she's got into it. She's supported with his business for quite a while now. And she's sort of said, well, you know, I can do this. I'm good at speaking to people. I've got a whole kind of network of, you know, mums that I speak to on a daily basis that, that manage the finances, that look after the household. She said, there's a whole kind of client base there that I can kind of connect with. And she said, that's where I want to you know kind of get into it there's a demand there and people that need it and I think by me joining my partner in doing so that you know we can get a lot more business because it's a different you know a, a different personality so and have you have you noticed a, a change or an uptick in admissions since the global pandemic has hit as well in that people's lifestyle their working life is, is changing a lot people are working from home people are having to juggle home life childcare, work life etc and then perhaps this is the kind of profession that some people who wouldn't have considered it before are now thinking that this is something that that, that I could do yeah definitely I've seen a kind of a, a change in in kind of I think a lot of graduates and I think a lot of career changer profiles have kind of come through and a lot of the people that we've recently onboarded for September and October have been exactly that. It's people that are using the time that have connected, that have gone out and spoken to advisors, secured opportunities and, and kind of been taking their time and doing the research through the pandemic. Mark, what, what, what are you looking for then? If someone applies to Quilter, for example, or someone comes to you and wants to know if their personality matches, I mean, you've mentioned the five key personality traits, but are there any things, sort of more nuances around those five uh, that you, you really look for in a potential candidate? Following the initial research, we decided to delve deeper into certain personality traits and spe specifically around trustworthiness. And the results that we found so far is that the, the trustworthiness of advisors is extremely 
is extremely high. Um, I'm only working on the averages of the data that we've got, but you're up about 84% on a, on, on a scale. But what we were interested following the initial research is when we saw that it was, um, it was conscientiousness that was higher, we got a much higher population and, and examined them across these five traits, but also trustworthiness as well. Like I said, it was agreeableness has, has now become very high as well as conscientiousness. Trustworthiness is very high as well. But what we also wanted to explore is how happy were people being financial advisors? And it's extremely good. There's a there's a concept called self-determination theory. And I like to think of these almost as the building blocks to happiness. Um, and these are, uh, but mastery, it's very hard to be happy if everything you're asked to do in your working life, you're not particularly good at. There's autonomy, which is if you're, it's almost impossible to be a happy slave. Having some volition over your life and choices of what you do is really important. And the third thing is relationships. It's having having healthy relationships in your personal life and at work, those you love and those that love you are, are extremely important. And what we found amongst advisors was across these areas, it was very, very strong indeed. So advisors were reporting very high levels of mastery and autonomy, very, very good relationships at work and in their home lives. And, and, and also the question we asked as well was whether advisor, advisors believed that their businesses had a purpose just beyond that was beyond income and profit. And it was extremely high. So over 88% of advisors believe that their businesses had had a purpose beyond income uh, and, and profit, which uh, which shows, I think, a real a real change in, in the view of advisors and the work they're doing. And I, I genuinely, if you are genuinely interested in people's lives, if you're genuinely interested in the difference that you're making to them, then this, this is an excellent profession because it also shows that you have high levels of autonomy and, and you can gain high levels of mastery as well. So all the evidence is showing that those that are engaged in the profession are extremely happy in doing so. And that and that's data taken in the middle of a global pandemic. Yeah, well, in any event, it sounds like it's really invaluable research as well. And presumably, Lauren, from your perspective, just so, so useful when it comes to recruiting new people to this career. Yeah, it's so useful. We talk about the research in our, our assessment centres and a number of the students that come through when we're talking to them in their interview, they said, oh, I didn't know this. I hadn't really, hadn't really come across before. And I had it, you know, really recently with, with a candidate that, you know, he'd been working in a completely different industry for a number of years, was, was really, really unhappy. He's new to financial advice, uh, kind of a month in, and he's really, really enjoying his job. And he said, you know, that, that point that you raised there on, you know, happiness and financial advisors being happy in their role, he said, you know, I've only been doing it a short while now, but I can tell you I'm so much more happy doing what I'm doing now than, than what I was before. So, yeah, definitely. We talked a bit before about um, the difference between someone having, say, a maths degree or an, or potentially an arts degree or something like that. But what about general educational backgrounds? Are you seeing some people who maybe haven't got to the various higher education level that they thought initially they would need, that they're starting to come through as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the, the, I think the guys, especially with the um, with the kind of universities in, in the pandemic as well, there's guys that are finishing their A levels that are are thinking about their their career options, and you know they don't necessarily want to go to university, and and they still want to study, and they see this as a, a profession and a and a good way to 
kind of get into the working world. And how how would you pitch it to, say, a bunch of uh, students at university who may be having an awful time at the moment because they're locked in their horrible dorm room or something? How would you pitch it to them to say, this might be a good career option for you, you know, irrespective of whether you dip out of university now or don't even finish your degree or whatever happens to happen, this might work for you. Yeah, I think uh, not even just with the, the pandemic, but I think there's a lot of people um, at kind of university level that, that perhaps don't think about financial advice as a, a career option. I know when I've kind of been to events and everything, they do polls and you know, the people that have thought about, the financial advisors that have thought about the career, not necessarily thought of it at university, it's only once they've been kind of educated or they've spoken to people about the role that they thought, actually, no, I am looking for something like that. I am looking for a role where I can help people. I am looking for an opportunity where I can continuously learn. But yeah, I think there's so many different things that you can think of, you know, you help people and make a difference. And I think that's probably the number one answer that I get come through that I really want to help people and make a difference so for some people that I think that maybe going to roles where they're, they're not in that and they're not doing that and they don't get that kind of satisfaction of you know having an added value to people's life I don't know it's difficult <laughs> <laughs> it is well yeah I mean it's but, difficult for everyone trying to work yeah. out as well like what they how what their skill set is yeah. I think everyone's reassessing at the moment what their their ambitions are and what their skills are and how they can sort of marry the two with this sort of new normal that we're all yeah. To. And Mark, I think as well, you know, with the research that you've done, I mean, there'll be a lot of people out there going, well, I think I've got really good empathy, or I think I'm a, I'm a people person, or I'm, I'm kind, or I want to give back, or, and I, or I want to earn some more money, or whatever it might be. But the, what would be your advice to, to those people who aren't quite sure which of the five personality traits they are attuned to or best suited to? They just need sort of careers advice, whether they're a school leaver or whether they're, you know, a middle-aged person who's kind of looking at a complete career change. Should they go and seek advice directly from Quilter or should they seek advice online where they can perhaps see that the research out there is best aligned with, with, with them at the moment? I think the thing is to open a discussion up with someone like Quilter, with, 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 with someone uh, you know that's that's running a financial advisor school, because your perception of what the of what the profession actually entails is is probably incorrect because of the way the, the way it's generally portrayed. And then even if you've got a better understanding of it, I think still there's a misconception of the of the important personality traits that really make advisors successful. There is no no doubt you have to have technical competence in in the profession we we know that you've got to know your stuff but in the research we did about the difference that taking advice makes how an asset is held is one thing how you can leverage off sort of deals or or, or, or better terms because you're dealing with a quilter is another thing but that the main difference was around this behavioral science so you can have all the technical competence but if your client is going to sell at the bottom of the market because they're panicking, then it doesn't matter what assets you're in, you, in, in the sense that you've, you've completely crystallized your losses. And so advisors who have the empathy and the understanding to be able to reach out to clients at a time where they may not be feeling confident about markets or, or they, you know, they have a difficult financial situation that they need to address, that ability, that empathy is actually more important to the client's outcome than probably the technical knowledge that that, that, that advisor has. 
Mark, I know a lot of your research has been looking into these five personality traits, but also you've uncovered some data about the importance of trust. Tell us more. Yeah, that's right, Hannah. After the initial research, we've now decided to undertake a much bigger piece of research with a lot more advisors and actually going beyond the big five personality traits. And one of the more granular uh, areas that we're looking at is the trustworthiness of advisors. So we've done personality testing uh, on this and questionnaires on this, and we're finding that all the data showing that the trustworthiness of financial advisors is extremely high. So then with that in mind, Mark, because you you said that there's no carve and copy, you know, cut out of, of this is what a financial advisor is, but I'm going to put it to you that, but that what is a fin- financial advisor? People who have listened to this podcast going, I think I might be suited. Are there any standout things that make you go, no, this isn't for you? I, I think if you are not interested in people, then there are other things that you can do in financial uh, services world. But if you're the kind of person that doesn't like to get stuck in a lift with other people, then maybe doing some data analysis um, at a desk is probably more appropriate than actually going out and engaging with clients. And Lauren, to you, uh, who would you say a financial advisor is in broad terms? In broad terms, yeah, it's the same, you know, someone that's, that is interested in people and, and does take time and does want to make a difference. Um, as Mark said, you know, we get we get people that come through and, and they think, you know, this is what I want to be doing. I want to be speaking to people, I want to be in front of people. And then there's others and I speak to, you know, the, the power planner type roles and they say, oh, no, absolutely not. I much prefer the research. I'm very analytical. I don't want to be sat in front of a client at all. Um, so I think, you know, you have to think about, you know, your skill set, what you're good at. And it is all that people service orientated type role. Well, I think that's all we have time for in this episode. Thank you so much to Mark and to Lauren for such an insightful and fascinating discussion. Thank you to you for joining us today for Beyond the Balance Sheet, brought to you by Quilter Financial Planning. You can find us at www.quilterfinancialplanning.co.uk or our advisor school at www.quilterfaschool.co.uk. Subscribe to this podcast through your preferred platform. I'm Hannah Vaughan-Jones. Tune in to the next episode to hear all about the people who have changed career to become financial advisors.